0: Hey, everyone, I'm Scott Cunningham, a.k.a. Scott Business. And today we're here with Rob McNeely, who is one of the co-founders of Tusk. And they don't have an actual owner because it is completely decentralized, which I think is awesome. Uh, Do you want to just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself?
1: Uh, Sure. Uh, Well, thanks for having me on today, Scott. I appreciate uh, you spending some time. Uh, So I'm Rob McNeely. I am the co-founder of Tusk. A little bit of background. Oh, I've been a serial entrepreneur for a long time. I also say I've been a self-sufficient entrepreneur for a long time because they're not always one and the same. But that means that I've been making a living as an entrepreneur for 15 years now. And uh, I've worked in a lot of different industries. I am a recovering corporate MBA before that. uh, I got into crypto for the same reason I think a lot of people do. I was really interested in, uh, you know, monetary policy. Uh, deflation, inflation, all the things that you see that crypto can solve and, and things that were concerning to me. And so we got into crypto several years ago um, as investors originally, and that was, you know, 2017-ish. And, and you started seeing all these like, you know, scammy projects coming up. And uh, we said, hey, you know, we can do better. Why don't we literally put our own project out there? And that's where we uh, kind of got our start.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Awesome so um when did you originally get into cryptocurrency and in, uh, in the blockchain space
1: uh beginning of 2017 is when i started actually investing uh been mm. aware of it for five six years before that okay and, awesome and yeah I had, a lot of, I, I had a lot of friends that were like into it and i used to go to meetups and all this kind of stuff but i'd actually you know like uh pull the trigger so to speak and, and start investing until 2017.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah, I uh I started investing and really just became super aware of it in uh, in 2017 as well, but I had heard murmurings of it before. Um so, can you give us an intro a brief introduction into what Tusk actually is for people who've never heard of it and maybe uh maybe like a um a beginner introduction and then maybe a higher level introduction for people who are a little more uh, crypto savvy?
1: Sure. So uh, Tusk is a non-ICO community project. It's pure payments. It's not a smart contracts platform. We are trying to uh, go in and and do some damage in the payments side of things. Uh, What we're doing that's a little differently is we're focused on actually uh, getting customers uh, and how do you uh, go through and actually get adoption. So what we did that's a little different than a lot of other projects is we started focusing and we're focusing our energy in one niche area. Uh, And and we say, if you're going to get adoption of cryptocurrency, you need to focus on industries that have a recognized problem. So you see a lot of times, especially with influencers, they'll go out there and they'll hassle the poor barista at Starbucks or they'll hassle their poor, you know, uh, Uber driver and start helping them with like, you should take Bitcoin and all sorts of stuff. And and they do the same thing to their parents and probably annoy all their neighbors the same way. And and we said, and, and we're going to be honest, is that a lot of cryptocurrencies don't actually solve problems for people yet. Um, That doesn't mean that they won't in the future or that they're not a good thing, but most of them are so unusable or expensive or complicated uh, that they're actually creating more problems for people. And if someone doesn't have a recognized problem that a crypto solves, they're not going to go through all that work and learning curve and inconvenience to try to use uh, any cryptocurrency if their visa does the job already fine. So we said that it, so we said, if we're gonna get adoption, you got st- you got to work in industries that already have a problem. In the United States, there's about seven industries that have a recognized payments problem and they're all distasteful to somebody. And that would be things like pornography, gambling, pawn shops payday lenders, uh, cannabis, CBD oil, uh, and guns. And so we said, let's look at how the big companies, got started with being disruptive. And I think one of the things that you look at is like Amazon. And I know you're a lot younger than me. Uh, I'm not so young, but I was old enough to remember when Amazon started 25 years ago. Uh, I was an adult still then. And Amazon started as a bookstore for a long time, like five, six years before they started branching into other, you know, different types of products that they would sell. So we said, you know, why don't we look at how Amazon did it and how we get If you're going to be disruptive with new technology or a new application of something, let's let's focus in one spot. So you can focus all your energy, all your marketing, all your time in that one space. So we went through a market segmentation process that I don't think a lot of other crypto projects have done. And we said, look, let's focus on one industry. And it's got to be a big market. It's going to be distasteful to somebody. And then how do we get in that space? And so we looked at and decided to go with the U.S. gun industry. And of all the distasteful industries, and and I understand a lot of Canadians don't like guns. I can totally respect that. Um, But why? I'm not one of
0: them. So. Okay.
1: Well, great. Well, why we chose the gun industry for? I mean, just looking at the business analysis, it's a six billion dollar U.S. six billion dollar year market in the United States every year. Actually, more this year probably. Mm -hmm. um, And it's constitutionally protected. Whereas if you look at things like cannabis and CBD and all those other things in the United States, the other distasteful industries, they're not constitutionally protected. Pornography technically is um, to some degree. So we said, if we're going to focus our efforts, let's focus on a big market, a big market that has a very big recognized problem with payments and one that's constitutionally protected. So with Tusk, our first market that we're focusing all our energy on right now is the U.S. gun industry. And so that's kind of our efforts. In fact, I spend uh, most of my time going to gun-related conferences more than I do crypto-related conferences because we view the retailers as our customers. Um, Even though we're not technically selling anything, um, we do believe that crypto is a product and a service. And I look at our competition as not Bitcoin or Dash or Ethereum. But we look at crypto kind of in a different way, for especially for a non-ICO project, a community project. We look at crypto as our, our, competition, uh, yeah, our competition in crypto we view as like Visa, MasterCard. Those are our competitors. Um, and right now, the industry, um, in the gun industry, they're locked out of PayPal, Stripe, Square, all a cash app. They can't use any third-party payment option right now. Um, so they're very interested in what we're doing and we've, uh, we're getting some traction in the space. We're signing up retailers already. Uh, the pandemic slowed things down a little bit for us because we plan on going to a bunch of conferences this spring, but they're all got canceled. Mm. Um, but that's kind of what we're doing. And one of the other things we're doing that helps, you know, look at that is our team is not just a developer led team. I think you see what a lot of crypto projects are developer led. And one of the things that, that happens is they get unbalanced, meaning, They don't have people doing the sales, marketing, and business development side a lot of times. And and part of that is because the developers are amazing guys. They're super smart. But a lot of those guys are kind of introverted, and a lot of them straight up hate sales and marketing and business development kind of activities. So um, most of our co-founders, about half the team, were non-developers, but sales, business, and entrepreneurial kind of people. So our team is kind of balanced. Um, that way. And then we've even done that with our advisors. So uh, we have advisors uh, from some major projects like the lead dev of Klein Tron Black is one of our advisors. Um, but we also have people from the gun industry on our advisory team. And then the other thing that's kind of unique about what we've done with Tusk is how do we, um, how do you market? We asked this question, how do you market a decentralized project like a startup? And so we created and embedded into the, the actual code uh, this thing called the marketing partner. And the marketing partner is a term limited and elected vendor that works for the Tusk network. They get the small sliver of the block rewards automatically. It, it serves for a three year period of time and its job is to grow the project like a startup. And then it answers to the committee, it answers to the network, it's all done on chain. And the focus is that we're, we're again, as a non-ICO project, we're still thinking of crypto like a startup, even though there is no owners.
0: Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's, um, you covered a lot there. Because my next question was going to be, what problem did you set out to solve? And you already uh, really touched on that. You guys are trying to solve issues with payments. And and you touched on something interesting. <clears throat> uh, I've I seen a lot of um, people in this space talking about how um, like with pornography, PayPal completely cuts them off. Um, that's talked about a little bit more. I don't actually hear about as much, um, for people like having trouble buying guns with PayPal and visa. And maybe I'm just, I'm not, I'm in Canada, so I'm not really connected to that. Or maybe, um, it's more challenging for you guys to talk about that because I wouldn't be surprised if there was censorship of things like that on YouTube. Um, but, uh, yeah, so what um, what was the original idea or motivation for starting tusk and then you kind of you explained this before we jumped on um, but how did it get how did it get its name
1: so we originally started uh, in january new year's day of 2018 is when we launched uh, original crypto coin which was occ which is an erc20 token and then we distributed the entire supply um, for free it was. It wasn't airdropped. It was all faucet-based, kind of like how Nano delivered. Um, we did that deliberately, so we didn't sell any tokens. I ne- token never sold a coin ever. Um, we did that intentionally so we wouldn't be any legal security under U.S. law. And it's funny because back then we had like lawyers telling us, oh, just call it a security token. It's great. I'm like, you know, I, I can read and I, I think that would make us a security. And lo and behold, that was actually one of the smartest things that we did is to give it away originally. Um, originally, we are trying to do an educational project where we were trying to teach people how not to get scammed in crypto projects and bad ICOs. Um, and then what ended up happening it was kind of an experiment originally for us. I'll be honest. We were never intended to do this. But uh, what happened is I have a lot of friends that are entrepreneurs and I started getting my friends saying, hey, Rob, that uh, you're into this crypto thing. I trust you. We'll accept your token if you can set up the payment gateways and sort it all out. And I'm like okay and as an entrepreneur started you know I, it started getting me thinking we went down this rabbit hole of looking at making our token a payment option at that point and kind of pivoting a little bit because like any entrepreneur we're going to look at opportunities and whatever is best for the industry or best for the project that's what we should do um, and then we ended up deciding that you know, Ethereum, especially Ethereum 1.0, is not good for payments. Gas is is expensive. It's inconsistent. It takes too long to get through. And we said we either have to make a decision now. This decision came in the fall of 2018, probably. And we had to because you know the market was dead at that point because it was after the crash and everything. And we said, look, either uh, we can walk away from the project and I can sell whatever tokens I had from starting the project and pay off my student loans or whatever, or we can make this into a really legit project. And uh, and we had a lot of discussions as a team. Some of our team walked. They didn't want to go through the effort and the work it would take to build out an actual blockchain. Um, I felt that we needed a blockchain to be sustainable, because I looked at the fact is, if you're a non-ICO project and you're bootstrapping, um, you don't have the money to do the marketing. You don't have the money to do listing fees. And and if you sell tokens off to pay for those things, now you get into that illegal security range. So what we decided is uh, let's build our own blockchain. Uh, we got, uh, I recruited a new development team. We rebranded. And then we went through the market segmentation thing that we talked about and decided where can we have, where can we you know get the best chance of getting adoption of crypto? And that's kind of how we got here. So with the name Tusk, um, when we were doing OCC, um, in our telegram groups, uh, so a lot of our community is in Asia and Indonesia and India. And so we were talking one night about uh, elephants. And someone said, elephants, uh, it hurts them when people ride on them, so don't ride on elephants. And so that became like our slogan, don't ride elephants. And then uh, when we started, we started doing some OCC swag with elephants on it. And then when we decided to rebrand, we wanted to keep that because OC- Tusk is just an extension or I say an evolution of OCC. It's still the same community, but it's growing. It's the same, a uh, lot of the same people. Like our admins are still the same from, you know, over two, almost two and a half years now. So, you know, we just kind of evolved it and we wanted to retain kind of that thing. Uh, because actually it's a meeting. So we wanted to stick with the elephant. And then we kind of looked at what would be a good name where we could like leverage the elephant name into it. So that's kind of how the branding went. It, it's it's not anything clever, but that's where it came from.
0: Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I think I'm always interested to hear how companies formed their name and, and how they kind of got started. So I, I think that's awesome. What are some of the next updates that you guys have in the works right now?
1: So right now um, we're currently working on some basic bug fixes uh, with some of the UI in our, our wallet. Uh, we got some, there's some people that said they're developing a mobile wallet. Some of the community members, again, we're there's no one that owns Tusk. I have no employees, which is good because we have no employees. We also have no company and no CEO and no burn rate and no overhead. And so uh, we're now completely sustainable basically forever. Uh, the network is self-funding through block rewards and transaction fees. So um, I think we're in a really good position now. Uh, so there's some people There's So there's a small part of the community that is developing on their own all mobile wallet for us. Uh, we are looking at right now integrating and getting our payment gateways up. So we've we felt because we just launched the blockchain uh, right around New Year's this year. So we spent all that time in the last year and a half building all this stuff, and and really most of it is planning. I mean, the coding wasn't that complicated, but figuring out how you're gonna run a decentralized project and try to minimize all the, the community conflicts and all the things you see with all these other communities. We spent a lot of time trying to look at what went wrong with other projects and what did they mm-hmm. do right? And we tried to improve yeah. on that. So even with like um, OCC and I'm sorry with Tusk, what we did decided to do, for instance, for adoption is we did little things. We did a lot of little things and it's kind of hard to explain them all, but like fees, okay, fees are a big deal, right? But if you look at credit cards, if you go into a store, the merchant is the one that pays the fees normally, but crypto does it backwards. And I said, I don't think that makes any sense. And I understand why it's done. And I understand you know why developers started that, but we felt that that actually makes a learning curve harder for merchants to adopt your project. And so one of the things that we did is we reversed that. So when it comes to the sale transaction, the function that we have in our blockchain, the, the, the seller pays the fees, not the buyer. Because um, we wanted it to be a very similar look and feel to normal payment options to reduce that you know, learning curve kind of thing. For adoption. So we've done a lot of little things like that. Um, so uh, so right now we figured that 2020 was going to be the year of building infrastructure. So right now we're starting to build our markets up. We're getting on more exchanges. Uh, we just landed on, uh, we're on four exchanges right now. We just got on the fourth exchange last week. Um, and then on one of the existing exchanges, we just opened up three more pairs. So we're, we're okay. basically looking at 2020 as an infrastructure stage for us. So we let's get the roadmap. Um, so if you look at our roadmap, we're trying to focus on just building out the infrastructure. People and I've done this all before because we did it with our token as well. So getting listed on exchanges. Now we're working on payment gateways, mobile wallets, infrastructure. Um, we're also got uh, we're signed. we sort of, uh, we've signed up four retailers so far. We're talking to a half dozen others right now, and we view them as kind of our beta program. So we do have actual retailers now that will accept Tusk. One of them is a body armor company, we've got a, a holster company, we've got a FFL company. So we're working on a few more and we're gonna be signing retailers up and we're just kind of basically trying to work out with them how we can improve our user interface and our processes. So part of our long-term strategy is we don't wanna actually sell users. We wanna to sell to merchants, Tusk, and have the, the merchants incentivize their customers to use Tusk. So, and how we do that is in the in the gun industry. Uh, most lawful, federally licensed, heavily regulated gun dealers, um, they they can't use third-party payment options, but they do have some credit card options. But the credit card fees are outrageous. It's like double mm. what they would pay. You know, it's upward to four to six percent plus monthly, wow. um, uh, and that's that's astronomical, uh, especially mm. for a brick and mortar retail. And then on top of that, they have a real big chargeback problem. Uh, especially the custom gun builders where someone might order a three or $4,000 custom left-handed charge handles, custom painted gun um, that takes a year to build because these that's just kind of how the backlogs are in these custom gun builders. And then what ends up happening is halfway through, the customer's getting patient to a chargeback, boom. Uh, before we ever started coding, we started talking to the gun world first before we ever came up with the requirements for what we wanted. So we had a good idea on one that we already had a customer in mind before we started building, but we wanted to see what they wanted, what their actual problems were to basically bounce what we thought through our market analysis made sense. So we're working on the infrastructure. We are going through a beta pro, you know, kind of program right now, signing up initial retailers to kind of work some of the bugs out. Um, we're building, so the next big changes we're going to do, um, we're going to be adding some functionality for charities. So there's two different charity things we're going to build into the code. One, we're going to do a community onboarding, and we have a pool. Now, the pool's already been coded in, so the pool for charities already filling up. And the idea is that um, we're going to onboard, or the community will vote on charities. This is the way we think it's going to go. The community will vote on charities to come in and split those automatic pools of charity funds. So the idea is, uh, so for instance, if Gun Owners of America or the NRA or any organization that the community decided made sense for them, Um, got accepted into the part of the charity pool, then they would automatically get some funding. So if you use Tusk, then the idea is you'd be funding charities that support, you know, your gun rights. Um, And then the other thing we're looking at doing as far as – probably this year is a roundup feature. And this is common in a couple, a couple other payment systems where uh, you can check out from a merchant and then you can round up and donate to anything. And we're thinking that it could be a kind of a neat feature that maybe you set up by comfort of just a savings account. So every time you buy something with mm-hmm. Tusk, a, a portion of that rounds up and automatically goes into an account you designate or maybe splits up between 10 charities you want to give. So we mm-hmm. got a couple things we're trying to build into the program to give back. And that's going to be all hard-coded into the actual blockchain itself. So I think that's most of where we're going to be this year. We're looking to, uh, at 2021 to really start doing a lot of onboarding. Currently, we're in talks with a couple major point-of-sale providers in the gun space. Um, and they we are definitely, I would say with one of them, we're definitely, look. it's looking encouraging that they're probably going to integrate us, but I'm not going to say who that is. Uh, it's a slow process because they're a big organization, yeah. uh, but it makes sense for them. And so that's where we are this year. Next year is going to be all about trying to onboard retailers and getting people to use it.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Wow. You guys definitely have a a lot going on. Um, In terms of like other companies or or I, I keep saying companies, but you're not technically a company, other projects or blockchains or cryptocurrencies in this space. Do you feel that there's anyone else doing what you're doing or? Yeah. And if there is, how are you guys different? If there isn't, uh, like what makes you guys unique in the space for what you're doing?
1: So there, I'm only aware of one other gun-related crypto called Guncoin. Uh, they're a small proof-of-work uh project, and they've been around longer than we have, but they've actually got no retailer adoption whatsoever. And they've been around like four years, I think. They're only on, I think, one exchange. They don't have much in the way of volume. Now, not, I'm not going to throw stones because we're still working on ours, too. Um, but they haven't seemed to make a lot of traction. They don't seem to have much traction. Uh, and I'm not bad-mouthing GunCoin. I think the community is really great from what I've seen, so I'm not ever going to bad-mouth them. Uh, it's a question I think some of this is execution. Um, again, I think they're like a typical proof-of-work, developer-led kind of project. But I don't think they have a good, you know, from what I've seen from the outside and looking at their Bitcoin talk threads and stuff, I don't see any plan or strategy to actually get retailers on board with them. And they've been around long enough that you'd think they would have by now and they just haven't seemed to make that work. Uh, Again, you know, I'd love to I don't have any animosity toward them. And it's like anything else. I don't fear there being another project out there Um, in the gun space. That's the only other one I know that's trying to do a payments uh, kind of project that way. Um, I think in the cannabis space, there's a couple token projects in Potcoin, which is a dedicated blockchain that are, again, trying to focus on a niche market. Uh, I I can't speak to where they are in their progress because it's just not the industry I'm focused on.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, because I haven't really seen like I hadn't seen Guncoin before myself or um, any specifically like any anything that's specifically that i would say um is your competitor or rival so to speak so so yeah i would definitely say you guys are unique with what you're kind of doing right now um where would you say you'd see tusk going in the next year and then in the next five years um obviously we're in completely unpredictable times uh let's just assume the best case scenario
1: well if i liken it to a startup uh, right now with the project, uh, I think we're positioned to outlast anybody. And I base that on a couple of reasons. One, we have a working project with customers already on board the system. Uh, so we're out there. We're not vaporware. We're, we got a project you can transact on right now. We're already at four exchanges and we're working on more over time. The Liquidity is always a tough one, especially on a new project. But we're building that out. On top of that, we have no debt. We have no overhead, we have no burn rate. Uh, and so, and then in the we have a reserve fund, which I don't control. Um, so we're a delegated proof of stake blockchain. So um, uh, any kind of changes to the network or, you know, the block producer or anything, um, for the network, they're all voted on by the community. So right now about 14% of the circulating supply, which is I think about 7 billion, give or take seven or 8 billion uh, Tusk are in the reserve. So they can be voted on to pay developers, pay listing fees and things of that nature. So we have no overhead, no burn rate, no debt, and we have a large chunk of cash in the bank. So the only bottleneck we're dealing with right now, and we are dealing with it, is that we're liquidity locks. So over time, we'll be able to, as a project, sell off or you know liquidate some of that um, reserve to pay for straight up marketing. Um, but I think we're in a really, really good position. So we're not going anywhere. We don't have to. We're also non-illegal security. So uh, as our volume grows and our community grows, we're going to be one of the few projects that could legally be transacted on American-based exchanges. And we do have a legal letter coming to that effect that's already in the works. Uh, And so it's just a matter of time. And I think we'll be on a few of those exchanges in the next year, year and a half. Uh, so I think short term, uh, I think it's just going to be it's not I'm super impatient just as an entrepreneur, but we've been here for two and a half years now. So I, I just look at this as a long haul and we're just going to keep going. And so I think over time, I mean, if you look at the attrition rate right now, the ICO projects, how many ICO zombie projects are still traded on coin market cap and coin gecko and corn, you know, paprika. And I think over time, just through attrition, we're going to rise because we're active and we're not going anywhere, but we don't have to. Uh, We're self-funded through block rewards and transaction fees now. And we have that chop, those pools of, you know, Tusk are going to be there to grow the project. And as we grow, we'll have more access through liquidity to grow it even more. Uh, So I would say in the next, you know, ideally, I was going to say I wanted to onboard 50 retailers this year for our pilot. I don't know if we'd be able to do it just because I can't even leave the neighborhood to like go knock on doors and literally do sales. So Mm -hmm. um, I would say by the end of the year, we'll have 25 retailers in our pilot. That would be probably a comfortable goal for me for the next six months. But I think we could do more just to see what happens with the the pandemic, of course. Uh, I think next year, uh, by the end of the year, we'll probably have the wallets, a mobile wallet set up. We'll probably have all our um, payment gateways all locked in. And we're almost that's almost in play right now as well. Uh, I think next year we're gonna onboard a lot of retailers and probably have some major strategic alliances with some of the point of sale manufacturers in the gun space. Five years, uh, I have no clue. I'll be honest. Uh, I, I have my own dreams, and I, I would I would say within five years we should be a top one hundred project. If I had to guess, I'm hoping it'd be less than five years, but I think that's I think that's plausible and doable, and I think uh, within five years we'll be a top hundred project. but we'll just have to see how that plays out.
0: Yeah, I think the um, the need for what you guys are working on is going to increase every year. So I think it'll become more and more plausible and feasible for it to be widely adopted and used for exactly what you guys are uh, have created it for. So um, where can everyone go to learn more about this?
1: Oh, well, we all the normal socials. So you can go to Tusk dot network. Uh, Just punch that in. Tusk.network is our website, and you can get all the links from there. And then it's Tusk Network on Twitter. um, And then you can find me at robmcneely.com, and I'm at robmcneely everywhere.
0: Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, that is everything I have. Is there anything else that you'd like to touch on before we end this off?
1: No, I've had a really good time. But though, I really would like to see what's in your watch box in your background.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I've uh, I've just got a few there. Lucy and Picard. Um, two Lucy and Picards and a... Uh, wow, I'm forgetting forgetting the name. Give me one sec. I'll <laughs> you gotta, grab
1: you, it. You, you gotta have a Breitling in there, right? No. I
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that'd actually be a good idea. Ah,
1: that's one.
0: Michael Kors. I always forget that. But uh, yeah, these are my two main watches here. I'm not uh, super flashy. I mean, I bought these like maybe like six years ago.
1: That's but
0: nice. um, but uh, yeah, I do. Uh, I do get new bands pretty frequently because I hate it when they uh, start to like fall apart. Um, so I, I do do that. But I need to, I wanted to get them polished. But uh, then, you know, everything happened a- as it has. So um I, and I, and I tried to do it myself and it didn't, I did not do a very good job of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see.
1: Very cool. Well, thank you for sharing. I love Chantal. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to see with like the lighting and everything, but you know, yeah. They
1: look good. But, um,
0: mouth. Awesome. Awesome. But, uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I think a lot of people watching, well, I'm not really sure in terms of, uh, how many people watching are gun owners or, you know, what they support or don't support. But I, even as a Canadian am, uh, very in, um, in support of free speech and gun ownership and just, you know, true freedom. Um, so I, I fully support what you guys are doing. And I'm sure a lot of my followers support the exact same thing. So I think this will be very beneficial for a lot of people watching. And, um, and, uh, yeah, so thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And, um, everyone make sure to go and follow Rob and go and check out Tusk.
1: Thanks a lot, Scott thanks for sticking
0: around since you did please give this video a like and if you'd like to see more make sure to subscribe you can also support me by donating to the addresses below if you're using an Ethereum wallet, you can send to Business.eth. If you're using another wallet like Coinami, Trust Wallet, Atomic Wallet, um, you can send to scottybusiness.crypto. On both wallets, I accept Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, Bitcoin Cash, and Ripple. Anyways, thank you so much for watching. Don't forget to comment, like, and subscribe. I'm Scott Cunningham, aka Scotty Business. Signing off. Cheers.